The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another episode of our Twitter Spaces Live Q&A show. Right here on Twitter every Saturday morning, usually around 9 or 10 a.m. Eastern. Always check our Twitter account for official times. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer and co-host of this Twitter space. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, to help answer your live questions here, just like a radio call-in show. First, let's go to our managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Uh, Let's call him the machine. Let's call him the newly groomed main show. (laughs) <laughs> at eric schlitt on twitter eric schlitt is here what's going on buddy hey buddy i am excited i always love these shows because there's so many great questions right it's 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 the quality of question it's the uh it's the personal experience uh, i was just talking the other day like something that i, I hold dear to pride of detroit is is the community building and, and having kind of this mm. more direct approach to to answering and asking questions is a is a cool thing that we we provide I enjoy it. I mean, and it's nice to have a loaded queue all the time. It's great. Love it. <laughs> That's right. Um, with us, as always, we we have to bring in our third person of the team uh, by law. In fact, uh, contractually speaking, he has to be part of the show. Um, just kidding. We want him to be part of the show because we love him. He is the senior editor of Pride Detroit. He is at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan Matthews is here. What's going on, man? Nothing much, just meeting my contractual obligations, man. <laughs> I'm okay, just here so, so I won't get fired. The obligation is this on is your my part, not March our on part. Lynch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, man. Like Eric said, like um, it's, right. it's best. Like I mean, it's it's July first. It's July first, you know. Yeah, right. And there's still people that want to hear us talk about the Lions when nothing has happened exactly. in, in a couple months. But uh, but yeah, let's let's uh, get our first caller in here. Uh, it is uh, it just so happens to be another Eric. Uh, let's bring Eric J aboard or Eric J M. I guess I should say Eric. It's taken a while for you to connect. Here we go. Okay, you're aboard, Eric. How's it going, man? On now because there I, we go. Can I hear you guys? Can you hear me? Uh, I don't. Can you? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Yes. Okay, it's kind of weird because, like, I don't. Well, good. I don't hear myself on my actual on the actual recording. Okay, I'm here. I'm ready. Good morning, Joe. all right, you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Um, still surviving the uh, Canadian wildfire smoke here in Chicago. It was pretty bad. Detroit. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, get into this. This is actually a question I had, I think, like a year ago. 
guys were on Spotify Live or whatever the heck that is. Um, was talking about the Lions front office, well, like how Rome's not built in a day. Or about Brad Holmes, their strategy. He used to be on the Rams from Leslie and those guys. But I remember Dave Burkett had an early article when he was first hired saying he was more Ozzy Newsome. Do you kind of think that going forward, uh, are we starting to enter into a phase or maybe next year it'll be where you might pick up some less speed habits and have to pick here or there? Or do you think he's going to stay the course and be more Ozzy Newsome and just keep building through the draft, et cetera? Okay. You cut a little bit in and out there, Eric, but I think I got the majority of what you, you were trying to say there, which is, uh, is is Brad Holmes kind of going to continue this build through the draft, uh, Ozzie Newsome way, as you put it, or is he going to eventually, now that the team's in a different place with their roster, be more less need, you know, F them picks type of uh, mentality. So exactly. that, it's an, yeah, okay, good. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's an interesting um interesting question right because you you do imagine that strategies have to evolve at least a little bit um depending on where your roster is so um i'll throw it to you first ryan do you do you think that maybe maybe we've already witnessed it it, it does feel like this offseason has been a little bit different than ones in the past especially uh well both with free agency in the draft so um do you do you think that you know we're we're seeing brad holmes evolve or change or or is this just kind of i mean it, it's tough too because we have a small sample size we're dealing with here but but what are your thoughts on his kind of changing uh strategy here yeah I, I, it's an interesting question and i think it's one that we can't really i don't think we can tell if he's going to go that direction or not until next off season um and, and mm. i think it requires the lions to kind of you know, carry their weight and do what a lot of people are expecting them to do. Like if they have a successful season, if they, if they go to the playoffs, if they win a playoff game, um, I think that'll be the test. I, I think we'll see whether or not Brad Holmes will shift his philosophy of, Hey, like you said, uh, Jeremy, the whole less need F them picks kind of thing. I think that's a very unique mentality that you can have when roster building, when you're afforded, you know, luxuries like you have Aaron Donald in the middle of your defense, right? Or, you know, you have uh, player X, Y, or Z on offense. Like, you have, like, staples like Cooper Cup. Um, you know, you have, you have an ability to go all in because you have foundational roster pieces. Uh, I love Amon Ross St. Brown as much as the next guy. I kind of need to see one more year of it. One more year of him being one of the, you know, top ten receivers in the NFL. I need to see Aiden Hutchinson take that next step to think, okay, this guy is a foundational piece on defense that like he is going to be rock solid, great year in, year out. Then the Lions can maybe get aggressive or they can afford to. I think personally though, I would I would want him to kind of keep that Ozzie Newsom route. What are your thoughts, Eric? What do you do you think that's what's what's happening here, or or is he too influenced by by less need here? Well, Wait, I do care. <laughs> I think me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I do think that at his core, because he's founda- his foundation is based off the draft, that he is going to try to build through the draft, this, the Ozzie Newsome way, right? Um, and But I do think there's going to be influences um, on how he approaches you know, team building that, that come from the Rams as well. For example – um, 
the Rams, uh, when, when I was looking at, at the cornerback situation ahead of uh, free agency in the draft, I almost I, 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 I did some research on what the Rams did to approach their their cornerback position through the years that Brad Holmes was was on their staff to try and like ascertain what they might do. Now I never actually wrote the article, but I have like a bunch of the research and basically what it points to is the, the Rams are take shots at drafting young corners, but the majority of their cornerback uh, starters come via trade or free agency. And so it goes from like 2012 all the way through like 2019, you see the Rams and less need being aggressive at certain positions in free agency while drafting other positions in free agency. So like you see them drafting uh, on the line, right? But you see them attacking the perimeter a little bit more in free agency. So like in 2000, uh, like 18 and 19, they, the, the Rams traded for Aqib Tlaib and, and Marcus Peters, right? And those, those were, those were their starters. But like, in in 2020, then that's when they traded for for uh, Jalen Ramsey. Like they they typically so 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 like if you look at how the Lions approached this offseason, it was very much looks like less need, right? Like he wanted to get an influx of talent that fit Aaron Glenn, and he took in what looks like a less need approach of adding through free agency and trying to make a quick turnaround on those you know skill quote-unquote skill positions whereas through the draft you've seen him spend you know the majority of his assets on you know core foundational players that are closer to the ball so I think it's a combination of both I guess is essentially what it is for me right like you're gonna see him use you know some strategies and uh from from everybody who's influenced him whether it's Ozzie Newsom, who's an idol of his, or, or, or Les Snead, or, or maybe you know the, the experiences from his coaching staff. So I don't think there's one like clean answer. I think it's going to be a collective, right? And it's also probably just worth pointing out that like Brad Holmes, while you know was with Les Snead for what eight nine years, he's been with the Rams well before Les Snead, and I'm sure he has influences beyond Les Snead from that organization. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there's at least something to the idea that most general managers, I think, would adjust their strategy as their roster gets better. One thing that they won't be able to continue to do is just like have all of the this draft capital, right? The team's going to get better, which means the draft picks are going to get worse. They don't have these, you know, this, this bevy of picks from a, a Stafford trade anymore, right? That's The Stafford trade picks are all gone now. And so he's going to have to build rosters in, in different ways because he's just not going to have the draft capital that he's used to. And and that's re- going to require an adjustment. That said, I don't think it means he's going to be like, all right, I'm going to trade all of my draft assets now and just go <laughs> for these big names in free agency or, or in the trade market. Um, I think in general, that's a little bit of a reckless um, strategy. And and I know the I know Rams fans and, and, and the front office probably have no regrets for the tra- trades that they've made because they got a ring. But we're kind of seeing the after effects of, of all of that, too. And, and I've said it, I think, a couple times this offseason, like they came very close to not winning a Super Bowl that year. And if they hadn't, if, you know, the, if Tom Brady completes that ridiculous comeback and Matthew Stafford doesn't throw that bomb to Cooper Cup to, to win that ball game in, in the divisional round or, or conference championship or whatever it was, 
we're looking in that trade a whole lot differently and saying how stupid and reckless it was. And, and that, I mean, that's, that's the nature of the NFL, right? Is, is everything's by kind of a hair. And so you hear Brad Holmes and, and you, 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 I mean, think about his, his background too, right? He's a college scout. Um, that is what he, that's his bread and butter. That's what he loves to do. So I don't know if he would ever throw away draft assets considering he knows just how valuable those can be. So I'm kind of with Eric. I, I do think it's going to be a combination of it all. Um, but I would say he would stray further away from this kind of, and, and who's to say this is like less needs overall philosophy, or if it was just kind of one year, he's just like, we're, we we got to go for it this year. Um, well, also, but I was going to say, I was going to say back in March too, where were the lions? They were kicking the tires on whether or not Jalen Ramsey would, would be a thing for them. Jalen, Jalen Ramsey chose Miami. So, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of influence there, but like, I don't view any of the things that Holmes did in free agency as being like overly splashy. Like, it's not like you know, Trey Flowers or resetting or resetting <laughs> sure. the right tackle market with Rick Wagner, right? Like he's not handing out these huge ludicrous contracts to players. Like he's picking and choosing. He's still being very he's being very meticulous. And like I, I, I think there's a difference between that. Sure. And they I think it was either Brad Holmes or it was I think it was Dan Campbell who outright said like we're not looking to get the most expensive guy in free agency. That's not how we're exactly do yeah. here. Um so, like, Cam Sutton is obviously the, the biggest contract they've given out so far. And, you know, it's, it's not an insignific- insignificant one. Three years, $33 million. That's, that's a lot of money. But, but you, you said it. Like, it's not, it's it's not, not five year, Trey five Flowers' years, money. Five years, $90 million. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, again, it's, it's push and pull here. It's not, it's not one extreme or the other. Yeah, I mean, um, I anything else? Some approach, you know, just slow and yeah. steady wins the race, and just keep, you know, grab. I mean, he and he does have a skill at picking really good players. It just seems so, and he keeps getting better at it. I would just kind of like, you know, trade deadline. Aaron Donald name. Aaron Donald's name pops up. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think a couple people have already kind of. Uh, wondered maybe if if the Rams are who we think they are this year, and and you get to the trade deadline, is is that a name that that is up there on the trade deadline? But um, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one, especially with his whole retirement now overcast and, and things like that. All, all that potentially possible though. Thank you guys. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. No problem, Eric. Thanks for the question. Um, all right, we got a couple more callers here. I did not keep track of when they came in, but I am just going to randomly go to Brendan next. Uh, Brendan, welcome to the show. Are you there, Brendan? Yeah, I'm right here. Hey, there you go. How's it going? Good, how are you guys? Good, good. All right, so my question is more of a uh, fun one, I guess. Not much football going on. Um, but we got, you know, SummerSlam coming to Ford Field, so I got a bit of a scenario for you. Um, okay. So, you know, let's say there's kind of a cowardly bad guy in the ring calling out an open challenge for anyone in Detroit to come to come take that challenge, and Dan Campbell comes out to the ring. So I have a two-parter question for you. My first question is, what would Dan Campbell's finishing move be? Like, what's that big move that you think that Dan Campbell's going to hit to get the win? And then after the match, if he gets jumped, what Lions player or Lions adjacent person would jump the barricade and make the save for him? (laughs) I I love this question, first of all. Um, And I think I have to throw it to Ryan first as a former, maybe still current kind of wrestling fan. 
Um, I, f- I feel like the easy move here, Ryan, is to go after some sort of ankle biting or, you know, kneecap biting move as his finisher. But but can can we get beyond that and think of something else? I mean, could he throw like a uh, cup of hot coffee with a couple shots of red eye in it? Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I, man, I'm I'm excited. I certainly am. I, I I'm thinking about the the wrestling, like the the player participation aspect yeah. of it. I, I mean, I would love a limb, a limb McNeil, uh, a lean the dream to come down to the ring and save Dan Campbell, or maybe it would be like a whole group. Maybe like the entire Lions secondary comes down. <laughs> Oh, well, Lean's got his own theme music. I know. That he can yeah, play. and WWE would love to pinch pennies and, and save some money going that route. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, my, my answer would have been Jace Billingsley. He used to be the, the wrestler on the team, but I'm sorry, the name, bra- the name bracket brought, brought up his name. He also, he also has his own theme music. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. And it... It'll just be in like on the jumbotron. It's just the Bob Quinn with the the bozo nose oh, on gosh. it. Gosh, yeah. Talk <laughs> about a heel turn. Um, yeah, I, I, SummerSlam will be fun. My only concern, though, it's happening like in the thick of like. Okay, we're getting ready for the season to start. Like, yeah, it, it is. If it's my understanding, that SummerSlam is kind of the reason why there's not going to be a Ford Field scrimmage this year. Yeah. Not not that I'm blaming wrestling, but I'm kind of blaming wrestling. Uh, Eric, why don't you throw your uh, proverbial hat into the ring here? I, I, yeah, I think the the cliche uh, scenario is he bites a kneecap, and Aiden Hutchinson is the guy who saves him. Right, like the most, you know, the 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 face of the NFL, like Golden Boy Aiden Hutchinson, like that. That would be the cliche oh, just such but, a cheap um, pop such a cheap pop yeah oh absolutely because he's local kid a whole oh, i mean yeah. like it just that's easy hitting all the hitting um, all the notes eric but right but like if you like maybe he does an up down maybe maybe that's his finishing move <laughs> you want to get a little off, a little off and he key. just like um puts his head into the guy's midsection on the up down <laughs> right, yeah, I, I like that absolutely just, just um, keeps doing it over and over again th- those are it. those and are the, called headbutts, by the way <laughs> <laughs> no to the midsection though <laughs> but like um, while he's on the ground you, you knock yeah. him down and then you just continually do yeah. up downs on top of him uh, but like <laughs> i think the the i i i was going to go with the leem as well um but wouldn't Panay Sewell be like amazing oh, yeah. at being the guy who comes out of the like Panay like he has the personality for the show you know what I mean like he he would yes. be the guy who like you know is getting the crowd wound up and he's recognizable as well but um yeah I think the cheap pop would be kneecaps and Hutchinson but I'd rather see up downs and Sewell my my issue with Sewell being the guy that comes in is that I don't know if he could turn it off like he might feel like Dan Campbell's actually getting hurt and might hurt whoever this other person is. Like wrestling, I, <laughs> wrestling might get real, real, real too, yes. real too quick. But here's okay. I don't. I don't have a good wrestling move. I think up. I'm just going to steal Eric's up downs. Um, you guys are missing the obvious answer here, though. Like the tag team duo of all time is Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. Like Dan Campbell is is down or he gets cheap shotted. Brad Holmes is running down that tunnel with a, a picture of Dan Campbell on his <laughs> chest. Uh, but where does Ben Johnson come into all of this? 
<laughs> he's developing the game plan. He's he's yeah. like oh, he's he's behind yeah. the scenes drawing all this up. I, I will say that yeah, I would be a huge fan of like an Amon Ross St. Brown elbow drop off the top rope. Oh sure. I feel I feel like you, we, you get you get a leam and you get Panay in the ring and they like hit some move to get the guy on the ground and then Amon Ra <laughs> hits it from the top, the sun god. I mean that's one, two, three. You're sending everybody home happy. <laughs> we don't we don't play scared, we don't draft scared, we don't wrestle scared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, appreciate the question, Brendan. I I like it when we get a little silly here. Yeah, that sounds like a main event segment to me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no problem. All right, before we head to our first break, I'm going to take one here from Twitter. Uh, Jason at JasonF650S. What role do you, see, do you see for Brock Wright and James Mitchell this year? Wright feels pretty consistent last year, and Mitchell's coming off a regular season, uh, coming off of a regular offseason instead of recovering from injury. And there are, other, there are a lot of other weapons in front of them on the team. Is he just going to be depth? All right, tight end. We're talking... We're, we're, we're leaving Sam Laporte out of the conversation here. We're talking Brock Wright, James Mitchell. I think this is a, it's a good question, too, because James Mitchell is, is kind of – they're talking him up a lot. I think they – you know, I think we're talking him up a lot. He's a guy that a lot of people think would have gone on day two of the draft had he not been dealing with the ACL injury. But they go out and get Sam Laporta. They like Brock Wright a lot. So what role is there left for James Mitchell? I'll go to you first, Eric. I think it's they run a lot of they've run a lot of three tight end sets. I mean, they did a lot in the second half of the season because they, I think, you know, they were missing their feature guy or like that one tight end one that could separate himself from the rest after they traded Hawk away. But I don't think moving away from three tight end concepts is 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 you know in their future. I think they're still going to have that. There's also going to be situations where having the combination of Sam Laporta and Mitchell is going to be more preferable to a Sam Laporta Brock Wright combination, right? Because there's going to be situations where you want to come out in two side end sets, but then maybe spread them out, right? So Mitchell, I think, is still ideally going to be part of their future, their long-term future. And maybe even he was they're expecting him to turn into like tight end two, which is I think what we expected when they drafted him. Um but I agree Brock Wright's consistency has is really what's standing in the way of that happening because right now Brock Wright could end up being technical the technical starter uh, at the beginning of the season and and I don't think he's going to go away I think he's there's enough there and he's got enough experience that he's still going to be in the mix as tight end one or tight end two early but I also think Mitchell's going to challenge that because a healthier Mitchell is I I think has a higher ceiling yeah, and I think part part of the conversation here is is what like the specific roles that they play, and I think there there is kind of a lot of overlap between those two, right? Between Brock Wright and, and James Mitchell, they're both kind of viewed to be uh, the Y tight end, right? The the inline guy who who can mm-hmm. who's primarily going to block, but is going to be a re- receiving option. And I, you know, if I were to guess, you know, right now what they think of each guy, it's probably that Bra- Brock is ahead of Wright in terms of a blocker. Uh, Wright is probably ahead of Brock in terms of a receiver. Um, Wait, and I think you got that. I think you mean Mitchell. I'm sorry, Mitchell. Right? I'm sorry. Yes, okay. Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> Mitchell is ahead of Brock Wright as a receiver. Brock Wright is ahead of James Mitchell as a blocker. Is what I meant. To got say. it. Um, I, I thought I thought you were doing. You were still on the wrestling thing. Like it was like two different people. Like Brock <laughs> is the blocker and Wright is the catcher, and he's like just depending on what person he is. 
Uh, yeah, no, 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 not doing that. I'm confusing everybody. Um, but I don't know, Ryan, why, why don't you throw your hat in here? Where, where, where do you think this, I guess, comp- would you call it a competition or, or can they coexist together? It doesn't feel like much of a competition right now, right? Like, I think we all kind of get the sense that like Brock Wright is a guy who they like a lot. Um, and I mean, they felt so comfortable. I mean, not saying that like, you know, the TJ Hawkinson trade was so, um, so kind of revealing about everything about how the Lions feel about tight ends or whatever, but like they felt comfortable enough to package away a pro bowl tight end and say, yeah, we're cool with Brock, Wright. You know, we're cool with Shane Zilstra. We're, we're cool with like these cast of characters that we have. Like James Mitchell was one of them too. Right. Um, but I, I think I kind of view it like in a, in a similar way that Eric does. Like you, you look at the, the potential and the ceiling, I think as a receiver, right? Like, I think that's the thing that might make James Mitchell, Maybe not, it might not put him ahead of Brock Wright on the depth chart, but I, like consistently, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like Mitchell's ability as a receiver, there's that ceiling where if that starts to really work, like week in and week out, and he can do things as a pass catcher that maybe Brock Wright can't, um, that's going to get him out there more and more. Um, but they're still going to use Brock Wright a ton, right? So I don't know if I necessarily view it as like one guy has to be ahead of the other guy. But I do think that there is that room for James Mitchell to really show, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really good receiver too. I probably should have been like a second-round pick if I didn't have this ACL tear um, my last year at Virginia Tech. But I, I, I think he's got all the makings of somebody who can be a really reliable tight end. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a, a decent point there, where, where I do feel like the roles could very much change as the season rolls on. Is you know they they gain more trust in a guy like James Mitchell because remember, like this is his, like you, like the question said, this is his first off season. This is his first ability to first opportunity to to really show what he's capable of and and prepare for an NFL season like he wasn't able to last year. And so it might not be there right away. Um, they might not trust him as a blocker right away. Um, but that can change in time. And like you said, if he can display pass catching abilities, which we know come natural for him as, as a former receiver, right? Um, if he mm-hmm. can display that at the NFL level, then that's going to be a quick way to get playing time when, I mean, as much as we all have really high hopes for, for Sam Laporta, like he could fill in for Sam Laporta in a lot of times when, you know, he's not going to be playing 100% of the snaps. He might get injured, all that sort of stuff. I think they view James Mitchell as maybe that, uh, versatile guy that, that can play a little bit of both, even though I think they're really repping him hard right now at the Y. What, what I think is interesting is uh, this, since we've been a couple weeks in the off season or into like the summer months here, I've been trying to watch like a bunch of games, uh, rewatch a bunch of games and, and then re and even like uh, there's a, a, a litany of, uh, ben Johnson, like YouTube videos out there where people are like breaking down his game and stuff like that. Uh, or, you know, his, his approach to play calling and, you know, there's videos on a lot of different Lions guys out there. And I've just been trying to take a look at different people's perspective. And, and one of the more consistent things I've noticed is that when people are breaking down these films and they're talking about how uh, the Lions can, you know, how they set something up and then they take advantage of it. James Mitchell ends up being the guy like in a lot of those situations where it's like, hey, we set they line set this up. And then when they, you know, fooled the defense, the guy that they went to on on several occasions was James Mitchell. And I I do think he was used very specifically last year Um, and he found the ball in a lot of really important situations. 
And then I, I don't think I could do a podcast without talking about week 18. And if we remember at the end of week 18, he got a holding call on uh, when they were trying to close the game out. But the fact that he was out, James Mitchell was out there in a blocking situation, I think also speaks to the fact that he is building trust with the coaching staff or they wouldn't have used him in a critical situation like that down the stretch. So I, I do think Mitchell's turning a corner and you know he's he's going to have to make those blocks and not get called for holding but it sure seems like he's he's headed in the right direction and you know he could be sooner than later that he ends up being on the field more often all right we'll close our first segment out with that when we come back more of your lions questions here on twitter spaces we will be right back Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on Twitter Spaces answering your Lions questions live here on our call-in show. Let's just go straight back to lines here. We have Ace waiting nice and patiently. Ace, thanks for, uh, thanks for waiting. Welcome to the show. No problem. So, uh, I'm a Packers fan in enemy's territory, but, you know, it's off season. I want to listen to what other rival fan bases are saying. Um, sure. I do think the Detroit Lions are the favorites for the division. I think they probably do deserve it um, based on how they ended last season and how the off season has transpired. What I want to ask to Eric and Ryan is, what are your guys' like, quick thoughts on like the other teams and then – um, who do you think, which out of the three teams do you think will give the Lions the hardest task? Because Lions are trying to win their first division title in 30 years, I think. So it'll be tough for them. Yeah. And I just kind of know which team do you guys expect to give, kind of give you the hardest task. I, I love this. This is this is a first. I don't think we've ever gotten an, an enemy guest on one of our podcasts. But uh, this is fascinating. Uh, and, and a good question, too, because I think, I think Lions fans just kind of view them – a lot of Lions fans view it as their division to win and everyone else is not even particularly close, which is not exactly how I see it. But I got to throw it to Eric first because Eric is our resident. Uh, we're way better than the Packers expert. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so what what are your thoughts on the rest of the division? Who who is the Lions' main competition right now? I, I think I've consistently said that while I think the Lions are better, the Packers have been the team that I've said is is going to be is going to give them their biggest challenge. Um because of the fact that as a team, they're the most balanced, right? They have a good defense that has balance pretty much across the positions. Um, offense is, is the question mark for me with the Packers and, and, and can they take that next step? But their defense, I think, is really what's going to separate them from the other two teams in the division who both have questionable defenses. And so you have good skill players uh, on all three other NFC North teams. But really, I think the defense is what separates the Packers from me from being, you know, the Lions' hardest road. So um, it's going to be interesting because both the Packers games that they play are on Thursday nights or, or Thursdays, I guess I should say, uh, you know, week four on Thursday night and then uh, Thanksgiving Day. So that adds another wrinkle to to the uh, Packers games this year. But yeah, I, I've been pretty consistent saying I think the Packers are the 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 next team in the nfc north and i'm not as scared of uh, the vikings or the bears you feel the same way ryan he's either cleaning up coffee grounds or doesn't realize he's still muted oh no i'm here uh cleaning up <laughs> coffee grounds definitely the former i guess as the resident like i'm a bears fan i guess um <laughs> I, I at least want to say that i feel like they have maybe the highest ceiling um not in the division i, I think that still belongs to the lions um because i but generally you know, you do say that the team that has the best quarterback probably has the highest ceiling. I'm just, this is like a make or break it year for Justin Fields, right? And it's kind of funny because I feel like a lot of people say that about Jared Goff too. Um, but I do think that the Bears have this ceiling that it, it feels like the Packers could have a very 500 season um, or maybe even slightly below 500. I feel like the Bears could be right there with them. Um, and I, I don't know. I, 10 and 7 could win the division, right? Jeremy, sure. like do you do you feel that way? Yeah, probably. I would think so. Um so if so if I'm saying that the Packers could finish 500 or the Bears could finish 500, the Vikings definitely cannot finish 500. <laughs> um they will be picking in the top 5 of the draft. Um but I, I feel like if you have teams that are playing 500 football in the NFC North, that might be threatening for the division. Yeah, I I do find it a bit odd that I think most sports books have it lions Vikings and then bears and then Packers are last that I, I haven't understood that at all off season because I'm, I'm with Eric. I think, I think the Packers are definitely the second best team in, in the division and the biggest threat to the lions. And, and a lot of it does have to do with the defense. Like if you, if you go back to last year, right, like I was going in and I was all cocky that, that the Packers weren't crap and that the Lions could could win, you know, both of the remaining games against them because they were just not playing good football, which was true at the time. But they got on a roll towards the end of last season. They started putting things together and it wasn't it wasn't about Aaron Rodgers, like fixing everything. It was about returning to the run game. It was about playing good defense. And, and they were playing like a top 10 football team down the stretch, you know, DVOA numbers, if, if, you know, you know, I love that sort of stuff. And they were top 10 in those numbers, just like the lines that were lines were top five. And so I backed away from my, like, Oh, we're going to kick the crap out of the Packers in, in the season finale, because they started to play a lot better. And <clears throat> some of it feels like Packers revisionist history a little bit and saying like, 
oh, well, the reason the Packers were even a, a you know, 8-9 team or 8-9-8 team or whatever they were last year, um, the reason they won that many games wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers, because of their defense. And so the fact that they're losing Aaron Rodgers isn't as big of a drawback as, as maybe you would normally think. And, and I think there is some truth to that, maybe not as much as Packers fans want to believe, but I, I do think that the strength of that football team for years now has not really been its quarterback play. It's been Aaron Jones, who is like, I think still somehow underrated by a lot of people and, you know, and, and they're getting Rashawn Gary back, right? He, he missed what half the year last year. So they've got a lot of talent on, on both sides of the ball really. And and Christian Watson is a guy that, that's up and coming. Um, I don't think he has a higher ceiling than, than Justin Jefferson or whatever the, the weird uh, narrative was that was going around. But um, I, I just think, I think it's almost clear that that team is, has, more talent than everyone. I mean, everyone already knows my opinion on the Vikings. Horrible defense last year. It's even worse now. And offensively, you've lost a couple big pieces in Adam Thielen and, and, and Cook. Um, I just, I don't really understand any of the hype around the Vikings. And then the Bears, I think they're going to be better. But I think it's they're going to be really a, a competitive football team when it's too late. Their, their first half of the season, they're going to struggle. They're going to get their act together maybe around November. And then, you know end up with seven, eight, nine wins, which isn't going to be enough to win the division. So I, I know I've been saying it all off season. I think, I think the order in, in talent and, and how this t- division should finish is, is abundantly clear to me. Now that doesn't mean it's, it's going to be how it works or how it plays out. But to me, it's, it's lions, it's Packers, it's bears and it's Vikings. And, and I, I don't think I'm going to budge from that until the season starts. I, so I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Eric. No, go ahead. Ace. No, I was just gonna say I'm. I think you guys are higher than the Packers than me personally because I I have big question marks on uh, Jordan Love and how Matt Lafleur is gonna look without Aaron Rodgers. I think you guys are underselling the Vikings a little bit. I still think it's a quarterbacks game, and Cousins is arguably I think him and Goff are one A one B in the division. So I, I think you guys are underselling the Vikings a little bit. Fields and Love are big question marks in my opinion. That's fair. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we're underselling Kirk Cousins. <laughs> but Kirk Cousins has got to be the most divisive quarterback in the league in terms of just your opinions on him. 13 wins, negative point differential. 13 <laughs> wins, negative point differential. They got worse. They got worse. If I, you were looking at one player that was going to give the Lions the biggest problem, it would be Fields. Right, like I think, but I don't think the Bears as a collective are are are, are that good. Uh, but here's the question I have: I know that you can't always judge like uh, success based on like where a player was drafted, but if you're drafting a player in the first round, that's typically a a player that has skills, right? So my question for uh, for uh, Jeremy and Ryan here is: How many first round picks are on the I want to see if you can tell me how many first round picks are on each of the defenses within the division. So how many first round picks are on the bears defense? Anyone want to take a guess at that? Zero. Zero is correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. Beat me to the punch. Dang. (laughs) Uh, All right. Vikings. How many first round picks are on the Vikings defense? They have players on defense. (laughs) Harrison Smith, who's like 107 (laughs) and then Lewis seen. (laughs) That's it. Mm. So they have two. The Packers have eight 
eight first round picks on their defense. Like not all of them start because like Van Ness is a rookie uh, and, and Eric Stokes is, you know what he is. Uh, but they have a lot of talent on that defense and their talent that they've invested high money into. Like the defense is what scares me. If, if, if there's any, unit that scares me in this uh in the north it's the packers defense override i'm more scared of the packers defense than i am scared of like justin fields and i think he's the single player that will give the lions the most problems i think it's funny that the i agree with you but we have joe barry tax over here as packer fans oh that's true <laughs> never mind never mind i'm going to completely change my answer now i totally <laughs> forgot about joe barry uh the, never mind i'm gonna play the packers fourth now <laughs> but it was everybody ripped the Packers defense apart. But Joe Barry seemed to have Ben Johnson's number last year. I don't know why, but those two games, I felt like we slowed Detroit's offense down. Yeah, that, that's undeniable. And, and lost, lost both the games too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Relax. <laughs> but, but 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 what I'm saying is like I, I I'm not worried so much about the. Packers defense because I have the most faith in the Lions offense. I, I would be okay. the most like they have the most to prove defensively against running quarterbacks. Like that narrative sure. never died last year, you know? So mm-hmm. that's why well, I, until I James Bear- Houston. You add James well, Houston and you add and you add Hutchinson like you know holding his own on the end and it, it changed things up a little bit. Of course you gotta injure you, him as well. So you, that, you know that you, you know that's gonna change. The Bears drafted our boy, Eric. They have Darnell right up front. It's a problem now. Yeah, but you know what? You know how many times that they just blocked Houston with a tight end, though, instead? Like, that, the play calling isn't changing. Just yeah, the person. Right, the yeah. right tackle is going to be great. But the, uh, but the play calling, <laughs> they're still going to put a tight end on, on James Houston, which is going to be a problem. <laughs> Duh problem. <laughs> All right. All right. Appreciate the question, Ace. Thanks for, thanks for dropping in. Um, let's move to our, our next caller. Corey has been waiting nice and patiently. <clears throat> uh, Corey, welcome to the show. Hey guys. Can you hear me? All right. Yep. Hey okay. man, it's good to, good to hear your voices. Um, well, I was listening to your, um, I've got two questions. One's fun and one's serious, but if I don't, I got time for both. Let's start with the serious one. Uh, um, I was listening to you guys as a midweek mailbag, uh, Jeremy, you and Eric, um, and I'm interested in, you know, all, all three of your thoughts on this, but you guys were talking about Broderick Martin and inside the den. And, uh, one thing that was triggered by, uh, uh, MCDC like presser a while back was he was asked like, you know, should there be a rule against the rugby push that the Eagles do? Um, and he was mm-hmm. like, no, you know, like we just got to find a way to beat it. And one thing, and I know he wasn't drafted specifically and only for this, well, only for this, but specifically, how much do you guys think that they drafted Broderick Martin to compete with the Eagles and defend that rugby push? That's It's, it's kind of a fascinating uh, hypothesis. Are, are, are the Eagles on the schedule this year? Or? In, in the Super – well, in the NFC uh, <laughs> playoffs, yeah. In the playoffs, they theoretically could be. Damn right. Um <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, oh, I can't. I can't imagine a specific play like that would would factor in. But I, I don't know. Like, I'll throw it to you, Ryan. First, do you, do you think do you think that specific of a play could could really factor into to who they draft? I, I don't think it would be the one specific thing, but I definitely think that Detroit looked at the middle of their defense and they said, "We need to get bigger. We need to do the things that we want to do, which are our tenants are stop the run." 
um, on defense. So I think that they definitely looked at the middle and said, you know, we need more than a lean and um, why am I blanking on our guy bugs? Yes. Isaiah bugs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Bugs. So like, I think they look at the middle of that defense and they're like, well, who do we have past that? You know? Um, And they, they bring somebody on in Broderick Martin who, Hopefully can because it seems like his calling card right now though is he's more of a pass rusher right Jeremy like I think we kind of get the sense that yeah like hopefully you know he can work on his anchoring and and become a better <clears throat> better gapper in, in terms of stuffing the run but seems like right now his calling card is like pushing the pocket so I uh, I don't I don't know if they would necessarily one to one say hey you know we need to be prepared for the Eagles to do this because I think if if anything they have Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell would get them ready, and he would he would have them, you know what I mean, doing yeah. what they need to do to stop that one play. But I I don't know. What do you think? I don't. Broderick Martin to me still remains like the biggest enigma of this draft class, and we were talking about it a little bit on the midweek mailbag um, because I don't know. Like I know when we did first bite talking about Broderick Martin, like he was talking about how he has a little bit more wiggle and 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 can bring a little bit as a pass rush, but. He's also just a big, long dude, which makes me think he's part of the stopping the run plan. And, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I don't I don't to me, I don't know if the pass rushing really happens right away at the NFL level with him. I I, I kind of would doubt that it would. Um, but I don't know. Like, and, and I, don't, I don't know what it, the plans for him in, in year one are. Right. Is it is it just I mean, I imagine it's probably just a rotational role behind those two guys that you mentioned. Um but I don't know. Like I, he's one of the guys I'm like super eager to see when the pads come on because, I mean, I I don't think there's necessarily to, to something a, a very specific play that they're they they drafted him for. But this wasn't a team that was great in short yardage situations on defense. They weren't really a great run defense team in general. They got better as the season went on. But I th- I think it's more that it's like they want to make sure they get off the field on third downs, and Roderick Martin certainly is going to help that. Well, what do you think, Eric? Yeah, I think the uh, I think Martin was added because of the Carolina game. I, I, I when he <laughs> when the when the Panthers exposed that the Lions didn't have a big body in the middle, um, that that's when he became a priority to me. Um, I know that Martin's uh, flashed a little bit of, of of wiggle, but I agree with you. I, I think that's a secondary thing. I fully expect him to eat, breathe, and uh, you know, walk onto the field with run stopping first on his mind. Um, he's even kind of said to the fact that like he takes uh, run defense personally. Like he views that as something that is one of his best skill sets and something that a defense needs to do in order to uh, be effective. And so I, I am expecting them to use him as like that anchor in the middle when they want to they want to uh, go against you know a, a run first offense. How how early do you think he's going to get a significant role? Is it is it week one? Like obviously a third round pick, they they have high hopes for him, but um, I don't think it's week one are... because they're playing the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. with week right? Like I, I it, this is they're built to be situational. So like week two against the Seahawks. I could see him play a lot more in week two than week one, but like it could be early, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Any, anything? Oh, you had a silly. Oh question yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, and just we'll, to we'll just one. to respond to what Eric was just saying is like I know that it would be uh, uh, 
you know, addressing the Eagles rugby push, you know, would be like a secondary thing. But I am interested to, you know, hopefully inside to the den, like, you know, maybe reveals a nugget as far as like if that factored in at all. You know what I mean? Um, Because I think that, you know, the NFL is a, you know, copycat league. And I could see the Bears trying to rugby push with Justin Fields, you know, on third and fourth and short. And uh, and I just, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. So my my uh, funny question is, um, well, I guess funny, but I kind of feel cursed by it because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I watched the Shawshank Redemption the other night, uh, rewatched it. And then I, I happened to turn on a old Aaron Glenn presser on the Detroit Lions YouTube page. And when Morgan Freeman leaves this earth, you know, uh, unfortunately, but ine- inevitably, why is the person that's going to fill the narrator vacuum, Aaron Glenn? Because <laughs> that guy's voice is so calming. And I, I just want, if you guys can get him to say Andy Dufresne at a presser, so I can put him <laughs> side by side and compare it. Because I feel like I'm going insane, man. Because I saw it, and now I'm just like listening to him, and I feel like I'm driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> I love it. Um, here's here's the thing. Like, the, I think I think there's something to that because, I mean, Aaron Glenn has that it factor that we talk about all the time when we're talking about him being a head coach candidate, and I think part of it is his voice, and not not necessarily like how he sounds, but just the way. The way he commands himself, the way he, the the the, the rhythm of his Absolutely. voice, in, in a way, is is almost it almost moves to the beat of jazz, <laughs> <That's> right? <laughs> or right. Lionel Richie, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it, it's interesting, and and I don't know if that's intentional or just you know the way he comes off, but it's 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 so commanding in a way where it's just like anytime he steps up to the podium, like obviously everyone. Be, goes quiet immediately out of respect but like you it, it feels like you a, a, an even deafener deafening silence i yeah. should say because he commands because he commands there's this audience respect. in such a way it's 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 uh hard to describe uh, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm struggling with right now any, uh, eric or ryan any anything else to add about <laughs> No, I think I, I think when when you're a former All Pro and Pro three time Pro Bowler, um, <laughs> there's a confidence that comes along with that, right? Yeah. And then to have success that he had in New Orleans, and then like I, I think he walks around with an intensity and uh, and like this aura of confidence that like you don't always see. Like we love Kelvin Shepard, but Kelvin sh- sounds like he's constantly losing his voice. You know what I mean? Like his, his voice sounds like it's about to about to stop working every time I, I listen to him in a presser because he's just like it's just the way it, it, it comes around. But like, yeah, Glenn is definitely um, he is he is a presence that you, it will cause you pause when you talk to him. It can be intimidating at times. Both those guys can be very intimidating. But uh, well, when Shepard stares at you and, and answers a question, it's it's hard to not feel like holy crap, he's looking through me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. All right, Corey, uh, uh, appreciate yeah, the question, appreciate man. you guys. Take care, man. You too. All right, I'm going to go to Twitter for our next question. Uh, ben Miller at Lions West Side asks. Do you be, do you believe that Hooker Hendon Hooker will be able to get any play in the preseason games or training camp? Who wants to take this one first, Eric? Uh, I mean, it all depends on his health, right? Like if they take him off and to get him um, playing time, 
then you're going to carry three quarterbacks the whole year, most likely, because right. we've talked about the fact that they're not going to be moving on from Nate Sudfeld um, because of what he brings off of the field, in the lock, in the locker room, in the quarterbacks' rooms, etc. Um, so I think, like, from a development standpoint, they'd love to see what they could get out of Hendon Hooker. But at the same time, when the, you're talking roster development and, and wanting Hendon to get – you know, more learning experience. I'm not sure if they're going to try and push that timeline too fast. So if I had to make a wager on if he plays a, a preseason game now, I would say no, because I'm expecting him to start on the pup, allow him or the NFI, NFI yeah. allow him to um, take more time, uh, you know, learning what it's like to be a pro learning, how learning the playbook, learning from the quarterbacks uh, ahead of him. And I think they're just going to take it nice and slow with him because it'd be nice to see what he can do. But at the same time, you're not expecting him to play, right? Right. And so um, I don't know if they want to take that roster spot and try and push his development too quick when um, you know they don't necessarily need to. You feel the same way, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, uh, unless you ask uh, DraftKings, the official sports book of SB Nation, <laughs> um, Hendon Hooker has uh, better odds to be the offensive rookie of the year than Sam Laporta. So maybe DraftKings knows something about the NFL script this year that we don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Eric hit on it, right? Like, I, the, the point I want to underscore is, like, I know everybody's anxious or excited, I guess, maybe to see Hendon Hooker. Um play in an NFL game, but I think the biggest question mark we all have, right, is that learning curve in terms of the playbook um, coming from the, the Tennessee scheme. That stuff can all be learned in meetings at, you know, at, you know, at, at a chair and desk, right? Like, it, it's all about studying, and sure, like, taking that next step is going to be getting reps in a game, but, like, I don't think that the Lions are in any position where they're thinking, man, we really need to figure out what we have with Hen and Hooker right now, because I think at the top of the list of priorities is Jared Goff has two years left on his deal. Are we going to extend him? Let's figure out if that guy is good enough to, to be our franchise quarterback. So I think they're going to play things very, as they did with Jameson Williams, right? Like, yeah. And, and James Mitchell, like they, they take these things very slow. Like they yep. don't rush these things. Josh Pascal, right? Like if there are injuries, we're not, we're not going to push it. Yeah. That, that was one of the points I was definitely going to make it because this, this team, wants to give all their players all the time they can to rehab because listen, I mean, Levi's kind of a good example of both. Like they, they thought he was going to be okay. His rookie season. He wasn't, they thought he was going to be okay. His sophomore season. He wasn't now. I think they're going to take it really slowly with him. Um, and with, with, I think you guys kind of nailed it all. Like I, I don't expect to see Hendon Hooker at all. Um, pretty much this year. Right. I mean, they've already called it, uh, publicly a, a red shirt year. Um, there really would not be a point in burning his his NFI designation because that means you have to carry him on the roster. That means you have to carry a guy who's not going to be ready to play anytime soon, both mentally or physically, um, and you're, you're carrying him on your roster for, for no particular reason um, because you cut that guy, he's not making it through waivers. Um, someone it's not, else is gonna... it's not a James Houston situation. No, 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 no. Um, and so the, the, the downside to it all, though, is you, you kind of touched on that a little, Ryan. I, I think they would love to know what they have in Hendon Hooker, and I think that would help them with a the decision with Jared Goff, right? Like, if 
obviously, they, I, I think this this team loves Jared Goff. I wouldn't be surprised if they extend him as early as this year. But in knowing what they have in Hendon Hooker, that would help that decision, right? Like, well, let's not hand Jared Goff fifty five million a year if we think if if Hendon Hooker is you know showing up at camp and 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 blowing up the, our, our second team defense, right? Um, which I wouldn't expect him to do in his first training camp, by the way. But um, but the, the the fact of the matter is, like, they're they're just not going to get that information. Like, they're they can't, and and that's fine. I, I think they like Jared Goff enough where they're they're probably going to make the decision without fully knowing that they're going to have to make a decision on Jared Goff without fully knowing what they have in Hendon Hooker. Um, and so they'll, they'll have to base it on how he plays this year. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I don't think they're going to rush it. I don't think there's a point in rushing it. I know Hendon Hooker last time we saw him is, is finally throwing against air. He's actually dropping back. He's moving a little bit. Um, so he might feel like he's physically there, but we all, like you said, Jameson Williams thought he was physically there um, well before he, he saw the field first. And so, I think yeah. they're going to take it super slow with him. And and Hendon's not physically there because when we saw him while he was doing like the ladder drills and stuff like that and moving, he was noticeably moving uh with a with a with a little hitch when he was moving on his on his ACL leg, right? Like yeah. it wasn't like he He's he's going through the drills, but you can tell he was injured. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it wasn't right. like he was like flawlessly moving like some of the Tracy Walker videos and stuff like that that we saw. Like you could see that that uh, while Hooker's moving, he's still got a long way to go. And and so like I, I guess for people who are going to say, well, isn't Hendon the better quarterback? And wouldn't you want that better quarterback as like your number two quarterback for the Lions this year to make a run? They're going to need a quarterback too that can help in the classroom. That can help uh, when during live during games help the quarterback help Jared Goff make adjustments. And Nate Sudfeld does that. And if and if Jared Goff goes down for whatever reason, knock on wood, right? Like Nate's going to be the guy that comes in, even if Hendon is the better quarterback, even because you know even if he has more talent, because. Nate's going to give them the best chance to win right now. Now that might not be the situation a year from now, but right now I think Nate Nate's not going anywhere because of what he does to help Jared Goff and to help the team overall. And so for me, I, I don't think, I think uh, we said this on the midweek mailbag, Hendon Hook, the Hendon Hooker pick was seemed like a luxury pick, and they're not going to rush that that luxury pick. They're going to they they've got plans for everybody else that they took on in the first two days uh, of, of the draft. The Hooker pick was just like, hey, he's the best player there. We're going to take him, but he's not necessarily part of I think the twenty twenty three plans. I'm with you there. All right, let's take another break here. When we close up the show, more of your Lions questions here on Twitter Spaces. Make sure you join us every Saturday morning, twitter.com slash Pride of Detroit. We will be right back.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are back here closing out our Twitter spaces here, our live call-in show here on Twitter. Uh, Twitter spaces, that is. Um, let's jump to our caller, uh, our next caller here. Uh, Nate is on the line. Nate, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. Hey, um, I'm Darth Tater on Twitch, by the way. Oh, what's hey. up, man? Uh, so in the pre-draft process, when Campbell was doing his interviews, he said he interviewed 30, 30 players and like five or six of them were his guys. I was just curious, yeah. what do you think – uh, how many of those five or six players do you think he actually got? Hmm. Well, okay. I want to throw this to Ryan first of all because now that we've been doing these uh, these first bite episodes and, and talking to some of these college coaches or college um, beat writers, it seems like just about every single one of them could qualify, right? Yeah. Like I, I didn't mean to <laughs> to like <clears throat> say it as a. Uh, like when we had our, our last show where, where we uh, previewed both Brian Branch and Jameer Gibbs and, and talking Alabama with, uh, with Travis, like he made a comment about how Brian Branch was just like a football player first and foremost. And I was like, Oh, check that off the bingo card. Like that's something that I think everybody that we've talked with um, ha- has said about, you know, the incoming player to Detroit. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. So, but, but let's, let's think about like, specifically what he's talking about like these these like you can sit down with these guys for two minutes and realize this dude eats eats sleeps breathes poops football like all of it i think (laughs) (laughs) i think first on the list is jack campbell like to me yeah it took it took me five five seconds to realize like oh yeah this is a dude that is absolutely a dan campbell guy pick picked 18th overall yeah he's a dan (laughs) campbell guy (laughs) <laughs> but is is there maybe let's rank the Lions draft picks in in Dan Campbell grit metrics? I mean, Eric, this is this is your this is your study. <laughs> uh, who? It, let, let, yeah. So let's rank like grittiness of the Lions draft picks, and most likely that that maybe was part of those first five or six guys that they met with at the combine. Don't don't you feel like it it goes Campbell Branch? I think it goes or, or is Campbell, it Campbell Laporta, Laporta branch? Laporta. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and, so and, Iowa Midwest and, football, <laughs> and, and both those guys have. A, we know that they officially met with the Lions at the combine. They mm-hmm. they officially met with both those guys. Um, so some of the other guys they had top thirty visits with and and whatnot. But I, I know those two for sure uh, were were at the combine. I mean, we even wrote Jeremy. You wrote an article about mm-hmm. Sam Laporta. Yep. Probably being one of those guys, right? Yep. And so, um, but yeah, like Jack Campbell, I think is number one for me because yep. he's almost like 
there's almost no joking with him. Like he, we, we tried to like ask him questions, like to try and loosen him up at, at rookie minicamp. Remember the, the day he got just smoked by Sam Laporta and yep. he was like having none of it. He was, he was like, Oh, he was so mad. <laughs> they, they, we, the question was like, Hey, uh, Sam says you're a messy roommate and, uh, you know, that's kind of funny. And Sam was laughing about it. What do you think about that? And, and Campbell was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, during the football season, maybe a little bit because I, you know, I'm focused on football. But like, and it was like that was like the tone. He like right. he had no joking at all. He was like, "I am here for business. I am ready. I am the Terminator." And uh, so, I think Campbell's number one. I think Laporta's number two for me. Um, and then uh, maybe, maybe I mean. I don't know if Ryan, you want to jump in and, and, and you sell Branch as number three on that list. Um, well, I, I do want to say that I think that as soon as Dan Campbell saw Kirk Ferentz tear up about how much Jack Campbell just loves playing football and is such a good human being, Dan Campbell's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, we, we want that guy. <laughs> like that guy cares yeah. about football mm-hmm. above all else. Like we want him." So. I, I don't know. Brian Branch just seems like from the from the conversation we had, Jeremy, um, with uh, with Travis over there on, on our podcast feed. Like, I feel like he just kind of exudes like, you know, smart football player too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, ha- yep. has to be a student of the game to be you know given that star position in Bama's defense as early as being a freshman, right? right? Like, yep. and, and and just getting that comparison to Minka Fitzpatrick, where it's like, oh man, this guy is a football player true and through. Like, that that just speaks the, volumes, and, and he plays. It seems like a Dan Campbell brand of football, right? 100%, you know who he right? reminds me of from a mental standpoint, Amon Rossing Brown. He reminds right. me of Amon Ra like crazy, just tenacious. Like, yeah. Yep. And the uh, I got drafted later than I should, so yep. I didn't remember every shoulder. person that was ahead. Oh, of, oh yeah, yeah. He's yep. got all of that. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I think when it by the end of like you know two years from three years from now when we start looking back, I, I, I'm with you. I think Branch is very much in that top three conversation there. I think stylistically too, though, Jeremy, like when, when we were talking to, when we were talking on the podcast, like he just brought up like Brian Branch isn't the kind of guy who's going to like jump routes or he's not going to take chances. He's going to be such a like solid foundational piece on defense where it's like, you know, he knows where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And he's not going to, he's not going to put the defense at risk because of something that he wants to do and, and go rogue. You know what yep. I mean? So it just seems like stylistically, like Brian Branch is like, dude, that's a guy I can play on defense anywhere. Cause look at him make 14 tackles for loss. <laughs> yeah. His final he, season at Bama. I mean, one of the, the buzzwords that you hear all the time from this coaching staff, it's trust. Brian Branch yes. is a guy that you yes. can absolutely point, trust. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think stylistically and, and, and strategically, he's exactly a good fit. He might not have like, he might not exude Dan Campbellness just talking to him, but I think I think he's exactly what he wants in a football player, right? Um, going back to maybe more of the intangibles and and character, I, th- I think Colby Sorzel des- deserves to be in this conversation. Yeah, um, he was going to be my five. I have a guy at four, but he yeah, Sorzel, I for me a hundred percent. Yeah, he's in yeah. the top five. Right, and and I think the the biggest thing I point to is the fact that like you know he's at the small school. He, he had a good season. He has this opportunity to, to enter the transfer portal and go somewhere. 
where he'll he'll have a bigger you know stage to to showcase his talents and he decides to come back and it's like no I want to win a title here I want I want to build this program up to a point where they're awesome we're going to win a championship we're going to whatever we're going to compete for whatever um that sounds familiar for everyone inside this organization from Ben Johnson to mm-hmm. to like everyone like that sort of loyalty of like no I'm we're building something here I want to stay here you of course you want someone like that on your football team because if he turns out to be really good He's going to resign here because that's what we're doing here, right? It's, it, you know, this program that didn't get a lot of respect, hasn't won a lot in its history. You want to stay there and you want to build? Great. That's what let's, – let's do it. You know who he reminds me of is Malcolm. He's the I like to hit people type of guy. You know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's the funny guy who like people want to gra- that people gravitate to. It's going to, he's got a fun personality where he's going to be eccentric and like, it's going to draw people's attention. And like the, the lion social media team is going to have a, a ball with him. Right. Um, but like he has that. What's the best part about training camp? I get to hit people. Like that's <laughs> right. his mentality, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yep. and I, so I agree with you. My, my number four guy though is Hendon hooker. Yeah, he is so another no nonsense guy. I'm here for football. I'm here to lead. I want to have fun. But he is so, so focused on football. And like I I was I, I'm every time I, I look at him, he's just like the, the 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 intensity, the focus that like the this is what I'm here for. Like he, it was he's just on. I mean, he's the first one out. He's one of the last ones to leave. And it's just like he just consumes football. And I, and so like, I, you know, we talk about him being a potential luxury pick and a guy that they like, well, they liked him because I, I, th- I think he has that mentality of, you know, what they want in that and in, in a football player. All right, let's move on. Uh, thanks for the question, Nate. Appreciate it, bud. All right, let's go to our next caller here. Oh, it's our good pal, Dan Pask. Dan, what's going on, buddy? Hi there. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. That's my son. Happy fourth to you guys and everyone. Um, I wanted to ask, and I, I, can we talk about money? Can we talk about money? And I, I, sure. Easy, amazing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but the question I have, and it, sort of, it, it was almost like the multiverse. It sort of sprang out. So I'm going to just try to say the two things, that the two thoughts that I had, and then, and then whatever you want to go for. But I read Jerry's article about, Jonah Jackson getting extended, and I, and I found it interesting. I, and I wanted to share a fear, and it's an irrational one, but I guess a fear shared is a fear halved or whatever is in the room. But I always have this fear of like these early re, um, uh, early extensions. Sometimes they always start badly. Sorry to say it, you know what I mean. I'm going to touch some wood here. But with jo- with Jonah Jackson and with money and and with numbers, and you saying 55 after Jared Goff a little bit earlier today, because in my mind it feels like people like Jared at 35. And I was going to say people don't seem to like Jared at 45. And I think I, I, even I wouldn't like Jared at 55. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. But, so the question, that second question after the Jonah one was, what would be a Tom Brady number if Jared did that for us? Like, what would be a hometown discount in your mind? And what would, what, I, it's almost like the price is right. What, what, what could you stomach? What would be way too much? Like, you know, if CJGJ did another year like he did at the Eagles, what would be a fair amount? You know, and with Amon Ra and Penne, it might be good for us just to sort of, like, we're not meant to ask women their age, right? But maybe we should just ask the question, how much is Penne going to cost? And how much is Amon Ra going to cost? And start saying those numbers out loud so we can sort of, you know, own them when they actually happen. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's let's start with with Jared. Let, let's start with like 
I don't know how to split this like into a number that you'd love, a number that you'd be okay with, and a number that you would hate. Maybe is the best way to put it. Um, and I'll go. I'll go to you first, Eric. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's hard because there's so many like nuances that go into contracts, right? Yeah. Um, because like what a, what he makes per year isn't necessarily reflective of what his value is if we start because you start adding guarantees and stuff and so it's like hard to just identify a number right um what well, i mean length is going to be really interesting with, with jared yeah. goff too right like are you yeah. going to give him one or two years or are you going to give him like a four or five year deal well i i think he's pushing for a four or five year of deal course. right because i mean yeah. like he's he's just 29 he's gonna be 30 by the time this deal at least 30 by the time this deal comes around so um, I don't think you go more than five, right? I would hope not. <laughs> on, on either end, like right, like I don't think the Lions are going to want to have him under contract past thirty five, thirty six. I don't think he's he's going to want to try and pay day. He's going to want to double dip on that if he can, right? Right. Because with quarterbacks, if he has a three year deal in three years, he might the the market's just going to go through the roof again. Yeah, right? like, I mean, he's going to have not, two Super Bowl rings, so. <laughs> So, um, uh, so <laughs> I do think like in that average of like 45 million, I think that's probably where he's going to end up. Um, yeah. I don't know how much over that I would feel comfortable with, you know what I mean? Like, and I know like he's probably going to make more and I'm probably not going to like that, uh, over 45, <laughs> um, but if he did like a hometown discount, geez, um, I don't know. I don't know. Could he go down? To, would he go down to like 40? Like, I don't know if he would because, again, yeah. he's at 30, right? Like, I don't right. – I just don't see him taking or even the lines trying to lowball him on that hometown – on that hometown type deal. I So um, I, I'm, I've got that 45 number stuck in my head and I think over it is hard and under it is – Maybe not realistic. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's it's. I, I'm not really giving Dan a good answer, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the hometown discount conversation is is interesting because it's always driven by the fans, right? Like they want to balance the books their Certainly. way, and understandably so. Like, yeah, it'd be great if if Jared Goff had this, and and Tom Brady, I think, is is the uh, the the thing we use all the time. Um, let's not forget that Tom Brady's wife made more money than he did. Sure, so that right. kind of helps, you know, it, it he was does. also 40 and looking for another ring and, and his he's, wife well, makes and it. he's the biggest athlete in the world. He's getting all these endorsement right. deals and right. things like that, where right. Jared Goff isn't getting that sort of, I mean, Christine Harper's making a, a, a good enough living for herself. Yeah, but too. she's not Giselle. Yeah. Like, I mean, sure. I mean, look, yeah, certainly she's doing very well for herself. Right. But um, where is, where yeah. is this conversation? Going? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess my point is, like and and i know like a lot of a lot of lions fans probably feel like jared goff owes a lot to this organization they resuscitated his career they have an offensive coordinator that works with him rather than aside him they have you know they, they've said publicly they love the city you know christine harper said like uh, i don't know about detroit but we love it here now like it's great it's it's got this homely feeling to them um i don't think that sort of stuff plays that much into negotiations i don't think Jared Goff's going to be like, well, I love Ben Johnson so much. Who might not even be here next year. I'll I'll cut five million a year off my contract. Like, I just I don't think that's how the conversations are going to work. So, I kind of think forty five million is the starting point. To be honest, I think 
I think anything, I think even if they get 45 million out of, out of golf, and this is all presuming that everything goes well this year, um, or they do it this off season, <clears throat> I think that's a win for them. Um, because I, I, I do like what the Giants quarterback, he got 40 million, right? Right, right, right. Daniel Jones. Right, he did. He did. I, forget the other stuff. I want to let other people speak. Thanks so much. But I just, I, what it is, I don't feel like Jared owes um, Detroit anything. I think Detroit really has become just such a, a good place for him. Like, you know, it's a very positive, yeah. you know, like place. And and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. I think 45, when you said 55, I did kind of, um, you know, yeah. But anyway, but thanks so much, guys. Have a great one. No problem. And I'll, I'll, let, let's get Ryan in here, too. Um, I just I want to put a bow on, on this too because like the when when we say the numbers they it's 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 really about the guarantees right like Lamar Jackson has uh, he he averages fifty two a year but only like fifty two percent of his contract is guaranteed right uh, Hertz has like forty three percent of his contract guaranteed um, to show sorry, sorry, Eric. Can I ask you one well, crazy? Sorry, Eric. Can I ask yeah. you one crazy question because it was someone I haven't had to yeah. ask uh, somebody who might be able to answer it well. And, and it, the whole thing with Calvin, right to the end of his contact and everything else, and running out mm-hmm. uh, like he was never going to finish it was was a theory I'd had. Doesn't doesn't Hertz have like a ninety million cap hit for his last year or something like that? Because he they, well, is that right? Sorry, I'll check. Let me check. Hold on. Look at a bro fast. Uh, he has a voided year that counts for 97 million. Yes. So he won't even be on the team and he will count for 97.5 million against the Eagles cap because of what they've had to do, but they'll renegotiate that and they'll work that out. But like, uh, it's not, I mean, it's like, it's the, it, it's headed towards a Kirk Cousins situation for whatever reason, Kirk Cousins gets 35 million, 100% guaranteed for no, like it's, most contracts are about half guaranteed, right? Um, especially like with the quarterbacks anyway. Having 100% guaranteed like Watson and Cousins is like ludicrous. It just – it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you have – then you get guys like Patrick Mahomes whose total value is like almost half a billion but like only 14% of his is guaranteed because it's this astronomical number that that you know that is the total value more than double at what everyone else's total value contract is so like you really have to look at how much of the contracts are guaranteed i guess to get a, a true assertion of, of of the value of what the contract is don't get married to the number or the average per year just guarantees is where it's at any, anything else to add, Ryan, before we move on? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I want to talk about that I always find fascinating, right, is the salary cap percentage that the quarterback is taking up, right? Sure. I, I feel like that's something that, you know, for, for better or for worse, I, I think that it's it's kind of, it's too myopic to just look at it and say, well, look, all these court like, do, do we, the, the old, like, one of the records that Pat Mahomes broke last year was maybe the most impressive one was, you know, he accounted for, I think it was like 17.1% of his team's cap. There hadn't been a quarterback who had won a Super Bowl that accounted for more than 14% since Steve Young in 94. So, like, Mahomes is this anomaly. Um, and, and then you look at, like, the, the cast of characters, like, all the years that Peyton Manning was taking up, you know, a big chunk of, you know, Indianapolis's, uh, you know, cap situation – 
you know, the, those those years he he didn't get it done, but like the the years that he did, like it it, it was sub it was sub that number. So like I I don't know when I when I look at golf and you start talking about 42, 43, 44, 45 million, like he's I mean he's going to cost more of you know a bigger chunk bigger chunk of that cap in terms of the cap percentage than than Mahomes. And I I don't know. That that makes me nervous. Well, but but again like you have to figure out the way that that contract is formatted, right? Like if it yeah. averages to 45 million a year, the cap hit in year one might be 13 million, right? It might be right. 20 right. million. How it's distributed, which is what Eric right. was talking about. Absolutely. Right. But so for context, I, I, for context, but, Jared Goff costs about 13.7 million this year, 12.5% of the Lions cap next year. Good numbers. Sounds like he can get it done then. <laughs> That's two two Super Bowls incoming, right? There you go. We figured it out. All right, uh, let's let's move on from the the cap calculating here and move on to our next caller. Here we've got anonymous anonymous uh, Lion Ranger is the full name. Anonymous Lions Ranger. Thank you for joining the show. Welcome. What's up, fellas? Can you hear me? Yep. Hey, um, so I'll try to be quick. Um, Dan's last question is kind of an intro to mine as well, because mine is kind of dependent on cap numbers as well, also. Um, big superlative here. Say in the next few years, I'm going to give you three positions and two players at each position. And um, say at each position, each player turns into what we kind of hope or expect them to be, and we can't keep them on under the caps. So you have to choose between one player at each position, right? Okay. Uh, I want to know like which would you guys prefer to keep. Now, let's look at wide receivers. Say Jamison comes back and he becomes this big playmaker that everyone hopes him to be and that everyone expects him to be. Him and Amon Ra St. Brown, if you had to choose between one or two of those, and Amon Ra keeps projecting on the path that he is, right, or keeps progressing on the path that he's going right now. Second would be linebacker. Say Malcolm Rodriguez and Jack Campbell – kind of turns into what Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman were with the 49ers. And you can only keep one or two, one of the two of them. And then at pass rush, you got Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston. Say, you know, Hutchinson kind of comes in, grows to be a Jared Allen type player, and Houston kind of turns into a Von Miller-esque type player. And you can only keep one of the two of those. At each three of those positions, which would you guys prefer to keep? Oh, I love it. This is, and obviously I think the lines are going to have a little bit more flexibility, but like they are going to have to make some difficult decisions once all these guys are going to get paid. So I think this is a, a fun kind of uh, mental exercise. So let, let's start at wide receiver. Are we going Amon Ra? Or, I mean, obviously the answer right now, you, you want to keep Amon Ra, but if, if Jamison balls out, um, how does this change the conversation for you? Let's start with Eric. I think it's Amon Ra just because of mindset, um, because of production uh, and cost, like he, he as a slot receiver, he's not going to demand as high of a cost as like a big play threat. Like uh, if Jamison turns into this big play threat on the outside, so if you're talking about lowering, keeping costs low, and then uh, a guy that fits the organizational mentality, uh, it's hard to to bet against St. Brown here. I think he's a perennial. Pro Bowler, he could see another half dozen Pro Bowls in the next ten years, and so um, I, I, I'm leaning towards St. Brown versus, you know, not just Jameson. I think he's. I think St. Brown is a top ten wide receiver in the NFL, 
and there's not a lot of guys that I would take over him. This this one's tough for me. I like to me a big time playmaker like that. If if Jameson lives up to the expectation there, that that to me is very hard to replace. And like, I, I think my answer is different between what I would do and the front office would do, because I think you're onto something with like the mentality thing. Like Amon Ra is everything that this team wants in terms of a teammate, in terms of a guy in the locker room, in terms of a guy on the practice field. I'm not saying Jameson Williams isn't that guy, but like Amon Ra is a prototype, right? Like he's a guy you want to build your franchise around yeah. just in terms of like mentality and all that sort of stuff. And that like, there's no doubt in my mind Amon Ra is going to be a Detroit Lion for as long as they can physically keep him here. Like they are mm-hmm. going to try to lock the doors to make sure that a guy doesn't leave. Um, but in terms of like a skill set that that is as valuable and as irreplaceable, I think I think I'm, I think Jameson is it's kind of the guy that's a little bit more irreplaceable. It it will probably come at a higher expense, but there's a reason it will. It, it's more valued. Um, so I think I think I might go with Jameson. You know, assuming that he does absolutely ball out in a way that they they expected when they they traded up the, all those assets to get him. Uh, this is the part that requires so much projection, though, right? Like we've seen yeah. Amon Ra be productive, and we know what he can do. Um, and again, it just comes back to our frustrations with JMO and just not being able to see enough of him on the field. But like, there were enough like single plays that happened last year where I was like, dude, if that guy gets to that be on this norm. offense <laughs> yeah. over an entire season. Holy crap! Right, like I mean, the Lions have a they they have a Jalen Waddle here. They you know they have Devonta Smith. They have their guy. They have their dude, and those guys don't grow on trees, right? And I'm not saying that Amon Ra's grow on trees either, but th- there's a reason why he was a fourth round pick, right? Like there's a reason sure. why like slot receivers seem like they're so kind of replaceable because not saying that they're a dime a dozen, but like they're closer to being running backs and then they are you know being outside threats like Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, or, you know, some of these other guys. Like, so I, I think that if Jamison Williams turns into this huge playmaking threat, I mean, you kind of, I don't know, like, it, it, it would be a really tough decision to make. But I think that I'm with you, Jeremy. I think I would go Jamison Williams. Eric is outnumbered. We're going well, with Jamison okay. Williams. I, I enjoy being right, so. <laughs> I agree with Eric. Sure. Oh, shoot. Now we're tied again. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. We'll tied. settle this at SummerSlam. <laughs> all right linebacker this one this one is easier for me but I'm, I'm curious to what you guys think uh jack campbell or malcolm rodriguez if they both live up to their hype let's go ryan first yeah jack campbell right like if jack campbell lives up to the hype he is the guy who is the centerpiece of your defense for the next what 12 years like he is like he is luke keekley embodied right yeah i, I feel like it's a no-brainer eric yeah, I'm with you. I, I watched uh, episode two of Hard Knocks the other day, and that was the Malcolm Rodriguez episode. But even with all of that hype still fresh in my brain, I Jack Campbell's just is again what they want. And every they, they want Jack Campbell to be the guy, and uh, I don't. I think he's a, a clear answer there. Yeah, I'm 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 with you to make it three for three here, and and I think part of it is just like Jack Campbell can do more. He can drop into coverage. He can he can blitz. He can be a physical guy at the line of scrimmage. He's bigger. He's faster. Um, and so I think Jack Campbell at his physical peak 
is is a much better player than than what Malcolm Rodriguez is potentially capable of. So um, we'll make it a clean sweep there, and then move to James Houston and Aiden Hutchinson. This is this is an interesting one because it it kind of gets at the are you valuing a premier pass rusher in this league or a guy? I hate to make this comparison because of, of how his lines career went, but a guy like Trey flowers who can do everything pretty well and is like a three down guy versus a guy who is just going to consistently get you, I don't know, like 15 sacks a year, Eric boy. I, I mean, you're, I think you're diminishing uh, Hutchinson by bringing Trey flowers into this conversation. I, that's why um, I didn't want him. That's why I didn't want to use him as <laughs> well, an you, example. Then but. you shouldn't have because it ruins it. It hurts my argument. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it's Hutchinson because of, uh, because look, there are, there are three pillars that they want to build this organization around. It's Amon Ra, Panay Sewell, and Aiden Hutchinson. And, and I think Houston, if he can develop into, you know, you know, what we think he can or, or, you know, what his, if he can reach a ceiling beyond what we think he can, um, he's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to, to let him walk away. But at the same time, Hutchinson is consistent, reliable, a leader. He's tenacious. He's a hard worker. Again, embodies the intangibles are what this organization wants. He has all of it. And so, uh, for me, I think they would go with Hutchinson. But what would you go with? I'd probably go with Hutchinson too, considering where they want to go. Considering where he went to college, got it. Um, Ryan, what do you think? Wow, you went to the same college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I haven't given my answer yet. Don't. Well, okay. Well, I'm sure it'll be wrong anyway. Whichever, whichever one you pick. <laughs> I feel like the Lions have already made the decision. Their decision. They already cut James Houston once. <laughs> Shows you where their allegiance lies. Wow. It is it is a fundamentally interesting question, though, Jeremy. Like, you have, like, either the tone setter of your defense, right? Because that's who the, I think you view Hutchinson to be. Like, to Eric's point, like, there are these pillars that you're building your team around. Is Hutchinson that dude where it's, like, he's so good against the run? Maybe his floor each season is, like, eight and a half, nine sacks, something like that, where it's, like, consistent production, like, harder your defense in terms of, you know, the guys up front keeps you very versatile, you know, guy can kick in and play inside. You can play outside versus like a pure pass rusher as like, you know, anonymous line ranger kind of framed it. Like, is he Von Miller type? Like for James Houston, I, I, what's more valuable, like all those sacks or being that tone setter on defense? Here, here, I'll let Jeremy answer here, but let me add one more thing to, uh, to, to add your, to, to make you think about James Houston gets all of his sacks with Aiden Hutchinson on the other side of him. Aiden Hutchinson doesn't need James Houston on the other side of him to get his to get his job done. And Aiden actually makes everyone else's jobs easier, which Josh Pascal doesn't get two sacks against the Bears if it's not for Aiden Hutchinson. Kaminsky doesn't get his sack against the Bears in week 17 if it's not for Aiden Hutchinson closing that side down. Like Hutchinson's range is just so much more vast, even if Houston is the next, you know, elite yeah, man. pass rusher. Eric Eric Schlick creating division within Lions defensive <laughs> roster right now. None of you would be here without Aiden Hutchinson. Well, I go ahead, finish your point. Nope, I'm gonna go. Your your turn. <laughs> 
The sad thing is, I do agree with you, Eric. I do think he is kind of like the uh, catalyst to everything. Boys, the Michigan sad boys. Boys. You're right. Okay, keep no. going. Right. <laughs> it's sad for you because I'm sure you want the glory all by yourself. Um, <laughs> but no, he is he is kind of the catalyst to everything they do. And and yeah, I think that last point is maybe maybe the best you made is like everything that they do, everything that everyone else can do on that offense is kind of based on how much attention he gets, how much. Um, he is just essential to everything that they want to do on every single down. The the part that makes this really hard for me though, is like personally speaking, I've been desperate for an elite pass rusher, an elite disruptor like James Houston. If he can stay at that level of disruption that we saw the back half of last season, but dying for something like that in Detroit for a very long time. And they haven't had it for a very who, long who is time. The last guy like well, te- sincerely, technically, though. Technically, Ziggy. Dwight Freeney, but that doesn't count. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, it, it's it's what we hoped Ziggy would be, but Ziggy never really reached that level of, like, elite disruption or at least never stayed healthy enough to display it for an entire season. So those Ooh. guys those guys can be game changers, man, and, and it it makes it a, a little bit more of a difficult conversation than, than, than I think maybe we're leading on. Um, but, but to me, it, it, it's still probably Hutchinson. And, and again, like if it's, if it's what the, the team wants, like, I think it's no question that it's Hutchinson. If it's what I want, it's a little bit closer, but probably still Hutchinson. It, it's still Hutchinson for me, but I think, Hey, if we're going to like transpose one Lions team to another, I mean, Ziggy's best season was with Nadamakan Sue in the interior. And as soon as Sue leaves, oh, I never really realizes that potential. Hmm. There you go. Z- Ziggy kind of like James Houston. Sue kind of like Aiden Hutchinson. I'm just saying, I'm just connecting <laughs> there, dots. I'm just, tr- I'm trying the, to transpose what Eric proposed. The, the, the three pillars that we're talking about, Hutchinson, Sewell, St. Brown, they James produce Williams, yeah. uh, St. Brown and uh, they will produce <laughs> regardless of the, co- of the people that are around them. Right. Like Jameson's going to need someone to get him the ball. Amon Ra, it, it, you just got to get it in the vicinity in Amon Ra because of the types of routes that he runs in his in his consistency. Like if a player can succeed despite the cast, then that's the player you want to build around. And there's three of them on this on this Lions roster. Curiously enough, though, we haven't mentioned Jared Goff's name. <laughs> Who? You're just you, God. You guys are just trying to stir things up today. Uh, <laughs> Anonymous, thank you, thank you for the question, man. Uh, appreciate Thanks, it. Fellas. We got time for for one more in show. Um, for those of you that are requested, uh, we can get to some of you after the show. Um, but let's go to our, our finer caller for the podcast version. Uh, Carmine has been waiting very patiently. Carmine, welcome to the show. Thanks for waiting. Are you there? Can't hear you yet, Carmine. Make sure you're on mute yourself. Um. Last year, Eric uh, really slayed the curse at Lambeau uh, with his, uh, <laughs> his determination to, to beat the Packers when it mattered. And I'd like him and you guys to answer two other sort of curses. Now, one is the curse of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let, let, <laughs> let, let's run a few. Calvin Johnson fumbling on the inch line. K.J. Wright knocking it out. But Jim Caldwell and the referees not knowing the rule. The trade of Condre Diggs. The 48-45, who scores 45 points and still loses the game last year? Favorable <laughs> calls against that, that they, the Seahawks get against the Rams, leading to their winning the tiebreaker, only to top it off with the Devin Witherspoon pick at number five, 
which uh, they never pick a corner that early unless it's a corner we want. And then uh, now what I'm concerned about where I need Eric to do his jinx busting is the second game of the season. Although we have 10 days rest after we play the Chiefs, it is very possible that Pete Carroll weaves his web and we start 0-2. Not that we can't recover, but it's not the best scenario. Wow, this is this. I love this question for a couple of reasons because I feel like I've also felt like there's this kind of brewing uh, rivalry with with <laughs> us and the Seahawks, and 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 it's it's attacked us personally. I think on a, on different levels. I'm not sure. Well, I have to ask Ryan if he also has been personally hurt by the Seahawks. But I was at the Monday night game in Seattle oh. in person as a fan, and so that game sticks out to me as one of the most heartbreaking losses I've seen in person. Eric obviously had a very strong connection to Devin Witherspoon, so I know he hates Seattle for that reason. Uh, Ryan, how have the Seahawks hurt you? Um, I'm trying to think of a way. Uh, <laughs> they took Kenneth Walker, and he's good. <laughs> okay, there you go. That works. Um, all right. Damn them. <laughs> um, Eric, it's hard to put you on the spot for some sort of a motivational, like, the Seahawks ain't crap, we're going to kill them type speech, but yeah. If there's someone I trust to do it, the floor is yours. <laughs> hey, I mean, look, here's the thing. When they when they beat Kansas City right out the gate, they're going to have a lot of momentum. <laughs> I know that's really going to get you. Going. Oh boy! Uh, but let, but but right off the bat, they're going to be they're going to be coming home. You're gonna, it's going to be your first home game of the 2023 season. You've got revenge on your mind from last season. You, you know, not only did they beat you, not only did they keep you out of the playoffs. And it all due respect to Mina Kime. She's going to have to like just deal with this one because the Lions are going to go in to, to host Seattle and they are going to punch them in the mouth. Right? It doesn't matter like that they have Kenneth Walker. He's great. He's going to have a great game. But Gino's going to get exposed. And this offense is going to be ready to play. This is the home opener in a season of destiny here. And so the the Seahawks are just a bump in the road on this. And yes, they want to you want to take the the you know top corner in the in the game and in last year's draft class. Great. He's not going to be ready. I'm sorry. Like he's he's a, going to be a great player and he's going to be have he's going to have loads of success, but not in week uh, two. You know, I'm with not Eric. Devin Witherspoon is five eleven. <laughs> he weighs one hundred and eighty one pounds. And we got Sam Laporta and and Jamar Gibbs. So I needed that. I needed that, Eric. Now one last thing before I go. The grit index. I love the grit index. We need yep. the ACL index because when Jamison Williams caught a 50-yard pass in the national title game and tore his ACL, I said, he's a lion. He's no longer a top six pick. When Hendon Hooker, <laughs> I loved Anthony Richardson. When Hendon Hooker went down, I said, we love guys with torn ACLs. He's a lion. So the next college <laughs> James Mitchell? James Mitchell. There you go. Thanks. Right. Uh, next yeah. Lions season, when any great player had Emmanuel Mosley. <laughs> yes. There you go. I'm going to be he's a lion. And you could do that with the grit index. <laughs> the, tough, the, the tough part, the tough part is, is to, to get a guy, like a top guy who tears his ECL this year to trade up from 32 is a, it's a big leap. It's going to take a lot of draft capital. So that's that's going to be the they hard have part the Hawkinson of the stuff. Off. They have the that's Hawkinson true. capital. That's true. They do Eric, have a little bit move, of capital. That's move. true. All right. That's the second, so, third round pick. 
All right. I mean, so they're, Marvin they're, Harrison. They're, Marvin Harrison tears his ACL in week one. Uh, oh my god! And uh, we get we get the. Uh, I mean, look, because it's a legacy player who's got a dad who was uh, you know all star all the time. Like whoa, it makes whoa. so much sense to be able to go and get another son of an NFL player, and it just look. Then you bring Marvin on staff as an assistant wide receivers coach, and uh, uh, ooh, I'm not part ooh, of, any of this. Wait, wait. <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr.'s ACL is going to remain intact. He's going to win the Heisman. He's going to be one of the best football players in the history. He's going to get drafted ahead of Caleb Williams. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best football player of all time. Oh, you! thank you. He's, he fixed he's Yeah. Um, if his dad's listening, you want him to hear that part. Yeah. We'll, 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 cut, we'll cut out the rest. Uh, Carmine, thank you for the questions, man. That was, that was a fun one to go out on, buddy. Thanks. All right, we'll close things up there. Again, for our live audience here on Twitter Spaces, we'll go a little extra, which is all the more motivation. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, come join us live every Saturday morning. Twitter Spaces, we'll put out a link when we go live, which is usually around 9 or 10 a.m. But until then, for Ryan, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>